Hello and welcome to the December edition of the Influential Times. Delighted to be joined by Jack, as always. Cheers, everyone. Nice to be here in person again. Uh, haven't been sent home yet, which is good. Um, so our first sort of news section this week, we're going to do it in sections this week, um, is about some executive changes. Um, the first being uh, Twitter. We love talking about Twitter, obviously, don't we, Jack? Um, Jack Dorsey has stepped down as CEO of Twitter um, and Parag Agarwal is going to take over. He, it's quite a good story, actually. He was a developer at Twitter, has worked his way up the ranks. I think he started in 2011, so only 10 years ago, and became the CTO, I think, three or four years ago, and now will take over as CEO. Um, Jack Dorsey spoke very highly of Parag, um, so he's clearly very capable um, in taking the reins. Um, there was talk about whether Jack Dorsey would sit on the board, but he's actually going to completely step away. Um, possibly a good thing he'll kind of, you know, won't be influencing decisions much like you know, other leaders like Jeff Bezos. He obviously stepped down, I think, earlier this year. Um, so, yeah, bit of news there. It'll be interesting to see what, what Jack does now. Um, possibly something to do with Bitcoin. He talks a lot about Bitcoin. He was quoted saying that it will uh, help to create world peace. Um, so who knows, maybe he'll get involved in Bitcoin in some way. Um, I think that leads nicely on to another uh, exec change, Jack, in uh, at Facebook. Yeah, so it's, it's an interesting, you know, the, the contrast with uh, Jack stepping down at Twitter. Um, you could contrast that quite unfavorably with sort of the, the gradual changeover almost at, at Facebook or Meta or whichever, you know, however you prefer to call it, if you're old school. Um, you can, you can see sort of Zuckerberg has gone from being the, you know, uh, having a much better public reputation, Twitter generally being seen as kind of the place where bad things happen online. And there's kind of been a crossover point maybe in the last three, four years where now Facebook is broadly seen as the bad guy. It's where bad things happen. It's where people get radicalized. It's, you know, a, a place where we sort of become more divided while Twitter's kind of made a lot of those moves um, and a lot of the testimony that's come out, you know, that we discussed last week, talks about sort of almost over-centralization of the decision-making process in Mark Zuckerberg's office. I thought it, it was interesting that Jack Dorsey seemed to, I mean, maybe it was pointed, maybe it wasn't, but he was kind of mm. making a point of saying it's good for companies to be able to move beyond their founders. Yeah, and you think of, absolutely. You know, companies that are really long-lasting, you know, beyond just 10, 15 years. I suppose being CEO of, you know, one of the, one of the 40 biggest companies on earth is probably a bit like being prime minister or something. It, it ages you and there's, you know, mm. the, it's a good idea for there to be terminated. Your, your decision-making power runs out. So an interesting one. Uh, over, over at Facebook, their crypto unit, uh, Novi has just lost its, um, its current head, a chap called David Marcus, who's been running that. He's hinted he's going to go and um, maybe, maybe sort of run uh, maybe run his own venture or, or get involved in his own sort of crypto venture. So it's not really taken off the the sort of Facebook crypto venture so far. We'll see someone that I think the current head of product there is going to take over and, and move it forward. But sort of Facebook just continues to kind of feels like the blows are just sort of raining down a little bit on them at the minute. And, and we'll see how they do. Um, speaking of blows raining down on Facebook, that takes us to a sort of... Uh, the, the next section, thinking about um, regulation, sort of online harms, moderation, and that sort of that sort of area of social. If 
Facebook has actually been ordered this month by the UK regulator to sell Giphy, basically reverse its its acquisition of of Giphy. Um, another another sort of you know since you know Elizabeth Warren during her presidential campaign a couple of years ago said Facebook needed breaking up among others. Um, another sign that there's a kind of growing unease among legislators um, all over the world about the sort of size of Meta as a as a group. Uh, and they've been ordered to, to sell Giphy. But there's a few other interesting stories uh, in that space around downvoting, Tom. Yeah. Talk us through those. Yeah, definitely. So again, back to Twitter, um, they are beta testing downvoting. So n- whereas now you can obviously like um, tweets and like replies, you'll also be able to kind of downvote them. Um, they've said this isn't serving a purpose of necessarily ranking in individual replies. So it's not to say on this individual post, this particular reply wasn't very popular and then we'll, we'll downrank it. It's actually more of a longer term approach to look at the types of posts that are popular. So an example could be if a post is getting lots of one word replies and people are downvoting that, then it's the kind of the nature of the replies, the type of content that people like. So it's kind of training the algorithm over time and I guess you know should be a good thing over time in that it will present you replies that you know, people generally prefer. Mm. And it will, you know, help the algorithm to learn that over time. Um, Guess they're taking their cue from TikTok a little bit as well. That yeah. that very responsive, that ability to just swipe something away. Yeah. If you're sort of not entertained by it within a few seconds. Exactly. So. And the key thing with it is, is well, at the moment anyway, is that they won't be visible necessarily. So you'll still only be able to see likes. So it's not like mm. you know someone's going to get barrage with loads of you know um, downvoting, and you know obviously could cause further issues. On the other hand, um, YouTube are also looking at downvoting. Um, they've actually had quite a negative reaction to this. Ironically, they did an announcement video to announce the downvoting, um, that they're beta testing downvoting, and it had 53 dislikes on the video. Um, so, oh, sorry, they, no, they already have downvoting, I think, in place. Um, but yeah, it hasn't had a very good reaction. And the idea of it is to stop trolling, to stop people... There's these groups that kind of just go in and just all kind of downvote on particular creator videos. Um, and it's to kind of try and stop that from happening. Um, the kind of loophole with it is that the creators can still see the downvotes, just that the public can't. So you could argue that it doesn't actually solving the problem. Um, there's also an argument that downvoting is actually quite a useful feature on YouTube because there's obviously a lot of clickbait, like people put you know really catchy titles to make you watch the video, but obviously if it's not particularly useful or isn't actually relevant to what the title is about, then it's harder to to spot that, and you could waste your time watching videos that aren't very relevant. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny to see sort of Twitter entering at one end of it, you know, right at the beginning of having a dislike or down vote, and that like YouTube have come out the other side of having it, yeah. and are sort of deciding that actually the best thing is to start hiding that um comes back to the sort of one of the tricky questions in all of online moderation and a lot of this stuff is that kind of you know one man's useful feedback slash review is another's kind of angry mob um and the exact same action will have different kind of weight depending on whether you're on the receiving end of it or whether um you know you could post a crap video that is just clickbait and it still probably isn't going to be very good for your mental health if a bunch of people downvote it uh, even if you should stop yeah. And that's a sort of tricky, you know, rights versus responsibilities thing. Yeah. Um, on a similar note, Twitter have also um, 
kind of strengthen strengthen their bans on people posting images uh, of other people uh, without their consent. So so kind of making sure that that sort of doxing or um, yeah sort of exposing behaviour um, is is something that users are, are sort of more easily able to. Uh, to quickly respond to and they're sort of strengthening their policy to make sure that if someone is posting images images of you without asking mm. um then you can you can sort of quickly do it and the rules will will be on your side I think there were some early concerns around um you know what would how would it apply to like sporting events for example like if you post a picture at a football match and you've got like thousands of people in the photo it's not going to apply to those situations yeah it's more for obviously like har- harassment and bullying and things like that I think my question would be, how is it going to be policed? I think if you've got like, you know, different sort of rules for different types of images, then it could get a bit messy in how they police it. Yeah. And there's obviously question marks already about how certain content content is policed and clearly a lot of stuff gets through which shouldn't be shouldn't be seen. So I think that's probably gonna be the issue that comes out of that for thought. Yeah. And I think all the platforms, all the big platforms are gonna to have to keep wrestling with this and keep putting I think you're always going to be able to get a certain distance with the sort of automated stuff, but with all the tricky cases, you you do end up having to refer it to a person, and that comes down to sort of properly staffing that the moderation department. Um, so, so the kind of next story I, I wanted to talk about in the next section was was thinking a little bit more about video content, and it leads on nicely from that. Patreon have announced that they are building a video product. And it's, it's largely off the back of the fact that they have a lot of YouTube creators on their platform and a lot of them are dissatisfied with the way that YouTube manages these things. Um, you know, have had lots of incidents of, like you say, the kind of harassment, people sort of going around in, a, uh, in, a, in an online mob, if, if that's the terminology you like to use, um, disliking things en masse. We've had videos being flagged as inappropriate or 18 plus. Um, just because they sort of are, you know, discussing LGBT rights or something like that. So there's kind of lots of issues with with the moderation and those tricky cases being quite hard to um, to adjudicate. So sort of Patreon have decided, well, I fancy a bit of that action, um, and they're hoping they're going to be able to build something uh, themselves. But be interesting to see how, you know, in in two years, how um, how creators feel about that because. I suspect Patreon will find themselves back with with a lot of the same problems. I suppose their one bit of salvation is going to be is is that maybe it being a little more gated and people paying kind of fifteen bucks a month, they're less likely to show up just to just mm. to cause trouble. Yeah, it's much more of a community, a membership kind of feel to it, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so moving on to um, some other news around video. Um, Instagram have as part of the I think Zuckerberg announced that they were going to be putting a billion dollars towards creators on the different platforms uh, Instagram being one of those um, they are offering up to $35,000 to creators to use reels see reels is a kind of rival um, feature uh, to TikTok um, but obviously TikTok have, have been growing so rapidly Facebook are trying to keep up um, I think um, they TikTok said they've got a billion monthly active users now which is pretty it's pretty staggering um, so yeah, in a bid to keep up with that, they are offering creators uh, monetary incentives to create video content, um, fees ranging from $1,000 up to $35,000, depending on how many views they get. Um, so yeah, an interesting tactic to try and um, sort of steal people away from TikTok, Jack. 
Yeah, it feels like it's been going around a year or more now, this kind of war to to just I hesitate to use the word bribe, but it is almost bribe, you know, as many creators as possible. I still find most of the time when I interact with reels in my in my real life, um it's a lot of it is is just very clearly a, a TikTok uh that I saw about three weeks previously. Mm. Um and someone's just downloaded it and, and sort of uploaded it to Reels, but I guess they want people using it platform first i get plenty of notifications telling me that someone has posted a reel i don't think i've actually watched one of those from the notification yet but uh i i understand instagram has users other than myself Mm. so um see see how they go and how long they're able to kind of sustain the financial hit of paying people to to use the app um also for audio as well facebook as well so it leads us on to our our favorite topic of, of social audio yes um facebook paying uh, creators to use um, to use their live. I think it's called live audio rooms. Is it? Yeah. I'm. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not even sure. I kind of. I remember hearing a few months ago that they were developing some sort of live audio feature. Mm. Um, I think they're they're thinking musicians as well as um, as well as kind of just speakers, which I think makes sense given Spotify have been thinking about that. I think it was called Green Room or yep. something like that was Spotify's solution. So. Um, another busy month in, in social audio overall, hasn't it? Um, yep. Spotify acquired an audiobook company called Findaway for an undisclosed amount of money, which uh, leads me to think, yeah, well, congratulations to the, the founders or owners of Findaway. Um, Clubhouse says that, you know, they're, they're still standing. Um, they had a little niche celebrity you might have heard of by the name of Oprah <laughs> on their platform, and they say that, that room had 40,000 uh, which isn't 40,000 listeners impressive really is it i mean for oprah it was yeah. they were they were discussing the adele interview right and i think the adele interview got what 10 million people watching on tv mm. so it kind of just goes to show how far behind i guess audio is to things like tv yeah i suppose i suppose the the, the sort of interesting question if you're an advertiser or a marketer in terms of these is how closely do, does one hold your attention versus the mm. other? You know, do people double screen when they're watching TV? Are yeah. they actually scrolling Twitter when yeah. something's on TV? So maybe there's a little bit of a gap in terms of, whereas if you listen to a, a live mm. audio, maybe you're, you're more engaged. Yeah. Um, I tend to say, you know, personally, when I listen to a podcast, I don't know about you, I'm usually like doing something else. Yeah. Um, usually doing the washing up or hoovering or something like that. Um, so I don't know if my attention is held that closely yeah. um, either. Yeah. And then I guess a, a final story, really. Um, they, dating apps now getting on board with, with audio as well. So um, Hinge have uh, launched audio um, in the way that people write prompts and things about themselves. They can now do that as an audio feature. Um, I think the uptake we looked at, Jack, was it 17% of people have posted an audio yep. prompt and 46% of people have listened to one. So it seems like people are a little bit shy perhaps to post them, but definitely listening to them. Um, so interesting that, yeah, I guess dating sites are also getting involved in that and it's becoming a, a key feature. Yeah, interesting. It's sort of it's not quite live audio, is it? Because it's, it's asynchronous, but... In the same way people use it on something like WhatsApp, you, you kind of send a, an audio note sometimes. Uh, it's, it's kind of, well, I guess if I released a feature and 
nearly half of my users were using it. That'd be that'd be a pretty good, pretty good sign. So a positive note to end on for for the world of audio. That is all we have uh, this week. Look out for the email newsletter. We'll we'll go into a little bit more detail on five of those of those stories. Uh, and next time we see you, it will be 2022. So uh, very happy holiday season to to everyone at home, and we will see you in the new year.